When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. I didn't know it was wrong, but I knew it was bad because I heard fear in his voice for the first time ever. I stand up and go to look down the hallway, ready to fight off whatever I'm assuming is a shadow monster in the hallway, based on how the dogs are acting. But then I hear it. Knock, knock, knock. A narcissist in power is truly one of the scariest and most dangerous persons you can imagine. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you three true horrifying tales that will keep you looking over your shoulder. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from Reddit user Liquid Pen Chamber, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford, and we're left with a terrifying message. This happened to me when I was about 10 years old, but even now as an adult in my 30s, I remember it like it was yesterday. My parents had taken my sister and I out to a movie, and then to get ice cream in celebration of my older sister getting straight A's on her report card. I remember my dad had gotten off work later than usual, so by the time the movie was over and we had our ice cream, it was well past our bedtime. It didn't matter though, my parents were happy and proud of my sister, and we had a great time and we took our time getting home. If it wasn't for what happened when we got there, I would have always looked back fondly on this night. We got home around 10.30. Bedtime was usually 10, so I went straight to my room to put my pajamas on while my sister went to brush her teeth. I remember thinking that it seemed a little more chilly in the house that night, but that's the only thing out of the ordinary I can recall from when we first walked in. Well, I barely had a chance to change when I heard my dad yell our names from what I thought was the kitchen. I didn't know it was wrong, but I knew it was bad because I heard fear in his voice for the first time ever. It scared me really bad. I bolted out the door and into the kitchen as fast as I could. My sister was already there, and my parents were standing very close. My mom looked like she was on the verge of panic, and she motioned for me to come close. She wrapped her arms around my sister and I. My dad was already dialing on the house phone. Then I noticed some glass on the floor. I asked my mom what was wrong, but she didn't want to tell me. She said we needed to go outside right away. As we headed out the front door, I heard my dad talking to a 911 operator, 
and telling him that when we got home he found our back sliding glass door shattered and some objects strewn about the kitchen. We went to the neighbor's house and waited for the police to come. After a few minutes, my dad joined us. He seemed to be well shaken up, which was a new sight for me. Well, the police arrived and searched the house extensively. It was a big scene with all our neighbors outside and flashing lights illuminating our entire street for hours. They never found anybody in our house. Whoever had been there had come and gone. The thing that gets me is that nothing was stolen. Whoever it was didn't want any of our possessions. What they did do was take our canned food out of the pantry and stack them into small pyramids on our kitchen counter. They also turned on the TV in our basement and moved a few random objects to different parts of the house. It's very creepy. It was like an insane person had been in our home and did things for reasons that only made sense to him. As the police were finishing up and ready to leave, I heard one of them ask my mom a question. They talked quietly, and I'm sure they thought I didn't hear. I pretended not to be listening, but I heard everything. We keep magnetized letters on our fridge. I think I'd gotten them for a birthday present a few years before, and we used them to leave each other messages for fun sometimes. The cop was asking my mom if the message on there that night was done by any of us. But it wasn't. I watched my mom turn pale when he told her what it said. It still makes my skin crawl to this very day. It said, always watching. The police didn't find any fingerprints. They said the intruder had to have been wearing gloves. For the next few days, the entire family was extremely uneasy. I was absolutely positive the intruder was still in the house somehow, that there was a hidden place nobody knew about where he could hide and listen to us. I never shook the feeling that somebody was there. Within a few months, we decided to move. It was just all too scary for us to stay in that area. We moved to a house several miles away. We were never bothered again, but I do still think about it. Was it kids playing a prank? Was it some insane person that wanted to torment a random family? Or was it someone that truly had it out for us and who really was always watching? Could it have been a neighbor or someone we knew? These questions still keep me up at night sometimes. This happened many years ago, but the hairs on my neck stand up sometimes when I'm alone at home, and I have to check the house to make sure no one is hiding. Can't get enough disturbed? We've got you covered on Patreon with monthly bonus episodes, ad-free listening, shout-outs, and more. Visit disturbedpodcast.com slash support. You'll be glad you did. Up next, we check in with Reddit user Ninjin's Friend, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas. And we learn why not to let in strangers. My mom's dog, Punky, was a very sweet, loving dog. She was an ESA dog, but trained to be a service dog for PTSD before she lost her leg. I had never seen her get aggressive with anyone in the entire 12 years she lived. She never growled or nipped anyone, and she had no sense of smell, so she loved all animals and people. A real gentle giant among our little terriers at 60 pounds. What I'm getting at here was that her barking at something and being aggressive 
was so wildly uncharacteristic that I only saw it once. I, 11-year-old female, was at home with my siblings, two-year-old male and six-year-old female. My then stepdad is at work and my mom ran up to the gas station to grab a pack of cigarettes. It was only a mile or two away from us. For reference, we lived in a two-bedroom trailer in the middle of the woods, on a dead-end road at the time, and you had to really make an effort to get down our road, find our house, navigate down our rickety driveway, and find the door. I'm sitting at the computer, having a grand time watching YouTube videos, when all of a sudden, all of our dogs, two Boston Terriers and one Chihuahua, perk up, bark a few times, and start investigating down the hall. My siblings were napping in the bedroom at the end of the hall at the time, so I figured they just stirred and scared the dogs. But then Punky sits up suddenly, stands up on the couch, and puffs her chest out. Her ears are perked up, her fur standing on end, her tail straight up, and then she barks loudly. I mean, the bark booms through the living room and echoes around, and all of a sudden, she lunges off the couch and goes tearing down the hallway. I'm already on edge because I don't think I've ever heard her bark. Ever. She's a Basenji mix, so her bark is more of a baying sound. But this was a big, loud, alert bark. I stand up and go to look down the hallway, ready to fight off whatever I'm assuming is a shadow monster in the hallway, based on how the dogs are acting. But then I hear it. Knock, knock, knock. We didn't get visitors because of how weird our house was location-wise, so my 11-year-old mind had no clue what to do here. The only people who showed up were family, and they didn't knock. So I slowly walked towards the door. The knock drew the attention of the dogs, and they came running back down the hallway, all except for Punky. And I felt better with our three yappy dogs in the room with me, even if they were all the size of New York City sewer rats. I open the door just a bit, and standing on our porch is the sketchiest man I think I've ever seen. I can still picture him perfectly. He was a really thin, taller man with dark hair and a sunken face, bags under his eyes, and this half-managed hair, sort of like he just gave it a quick brush and then figured it was good enough. Everything about him seemed just a little too thin, a little too shallow, and his clothes were all off too. They were nice, but fake nice, you know? Like a clean, newer looking t-shirt and new jeans, but he had what looked like a suit jacket on. All his clothes were dark too, despite the fact that it was summer in Texas and the weather was definitely into the 100s that day. He also had this plain, unlabeled bottle in his hand. It looked like the label had been covered up and taped over. I stare up at him in confusion because I definitely don't know this man, and I ask what he wants. He smiles at me in this way that's way too fake, like this exaggerated and forced grin, and he spoke in the same voice retail workers do. Hey there, kiddo. I'm trying to sell this here carpet cleaner. And he shakes the bottle at me. Mind if I come in to show you how good it works? Alarms are going off in my head because he just seems so off. Looking back with an adult perspective, the fact that he didn't ask if my parents were home is unnerving because he probably knew they weren't and that's why he was here in the first place. 
I should have told him to get off our property, that I'd have to go get my mom, something except what I did say, but I didn't. Instead, I just shook my head and said, no, we don't have carpet. Well, it works on other things. And he took a big step towards the door and shook the bottle at me. I start to freak out and think to close the door, but the thing is, our front door didn't even lock. Small town, hard to access home, we never needed a lock. So that's basically useless. I'm sure there's something very wrong about to happen, and I'm terrified as I think about what to do in the seconds I think I have before it does happen, when all of a sudden, I hear it. Punky had crept up from the hallway, lowered towards the ground, with her teeth barred and snarling like she was feral. She had slobber just dripping from her mouth. Her ears were down, and she was ready to pounce. The guy hears it too, and as I look towards Punky, she tries to lunge past me, and I just barely catch her with my legs as she tries her hardest to duck past me and attack this guy. He freaks out and runs off the porch without another word, booking it down the driveway as I let Punky out, along with the rest of our dogs, and they start chasing him. Our small dogs chase him down the driveway and stop about halfway, barking and jumping about. But Punky stops just on the porch and watches him with her ears perked, just staring in the distance until he disappears. I swear I saw someone join up with him running when he got onto the road. The second he disappeared, Punky's entire body language changed and she went back to being the sweet dog I knew. No barking or growling, just laying down, mouth and throat covered in slobber still. I realized my siblings are still down the hall and run to check on them. And when I get to the bedroom, my siblings were sleeping soundly still. But the bedroom window was wide open. The curtains pushed all to one side and the items on the dresser in front of the window all shoved around. Someone had tried to climb through the window, no doubt in my mind about it. From what I can gather, the bedroom window was visible from the couch where Punky was sleeping. So I think someone was trying to climb through the window before Punky went after them and scared them off. And the man at the door was meant to distract me. They definitely didn't expect Punky, a bigger dog, because most of the time she was with my mom inside while our small dogs were the ones that saw public eye more often. I don't know what they intended to do, but after my mom got home, she took all of us to my aunt's house. And on our way there, we saw the men walking up someone else's driveway. Men, plural, because we watched a second one split off to wait by the road. So, to the two men apparently going door to door to sell their unlabeled carpet cleaner, I'd really rather not meet again. We need to get rid of some evidence. Don't go anywhere. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II. 
And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, Shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. Now back to the deliciously frightful... Disturbed Podcast with your host... Chad. And finally, we close out the show with a submission from Joe, featuring voice work by Tom Aglio, and we deal with some disturbing behavior. So, my story is an ongoing situation that I fear may never come to an end. In fact, what finally pushed me to come here and write this was the events that unfolded this very morning. For context, I am a 23-year-old male, and I'm engaged to a wonderful woman who has completely turned my life around for the better in every way. I came to her a broken man with a lot of baggage, and she loved me despite it all. I owe everything to her. Unfortunately, I'm not the only one who is fixated on her. For anyone who has had to suffer growing up with narcissistic parents or loved ones, you will understand the behavior described in this story much better than others. My father suffers from many mental illnesses with narcissism topping the charts. Alongside my three siblings, I endured intense mental beratement and abuse for my entire life until I met my fiancé shortly after my 21st birthday. 
She resided in another state about four hours away from my hometown when our relationship became more intimate. I was in a bad place mentally and physically and decided it was worth making the scary leap of leaving familiarity behind for a better future with my now fiance. Mostly everyone was very encouraging and supportive of my decision. Everyone except for one person. I anxiously called my father and asked if he could meet with me to discuss a big decision I was getting ready to make, hoping he would provide any advice that may make the big move as successful as possible. He agreed and we met out in the city where I began to lay out my plan to move. I didn't tell him about my girlfriend and only told him that I would be renting a place with a roommate. He was furious. My excitement was quickly smothered by a barrage of painful insults and ill wishes. He told me I would fail miserably and be back on my hands and knees within the following months and begging for a place to stay. He called me stupid and made me feel like the smallest human being on the planet. When I assured him that despite the hurtful words I still planned on leaving, he stormed off to his car and sped away in a rage. The hope I had felt for my near future was crushed. I began to doubt myself and allowed his words to take root in my head. I'm beyond thankful for the constant reassurance and support my siblings and girlfriend provided me, which ultimately pushed me to take the leap despite my father's harsh judgment. About a month later, I moved to the new city with my girlfriend, and things were off to an amazing start. I still had a few things back at my father's place that I wanted to retrieve for our new apartment. I called him up and informed him that I would be returning very briefly to get my things that had been left at his place. After another resentful spew of hurtful comments, he agreed to meet with me at his place to give me my things. My girlfriend and I traveled back to my hometown together to make the eight-hour round trip less grueling. This is a mistake we are both still paying for to this day and most likely for years to come. Upon our arrival, I reached out to my father to let him know I was on my way. More hurtful insults followed by, I'll be here waiting with your shit. When I pulled up into his driveway, there he was. He was visibly angry and my girlfriend even commented on how his demeanor made her feel uncomfortable before we even got out of the car. I apologized and assured her I was fine with her waiting in the car. She knew how badly he could upset me and so she kindly insisted on helping me retrieve my things as a support system. She's been a life blessing. As soon as we got out of the car, his demeanor flipped like a light switch. I had not informed him I was bringing anyone with me and when he noticed the pretty young lady accompanying me, he was instantly a different person. He greeted us with a huge smile and open arms, basically ignoring me completely. He focused on my girlfriend, looking her up and down extremely non subtly The first thing he said to her was that he liked her tattoo, which is on her upper chest, and was almost completely covered by the shirt she had been wearing. He motioned for her to pull her shirt down to reveal the rest of the tattoo, which she kindly declined. Knowing how uncomfortable she must feel seconds after being there, I spoke up loudly, requesting my things and informing him we would be out of his hair in minutes. He looked at me for the first time and then went inside to bring my things out. The whole encounter took about five minutes and then I gladly informed him that we had to get on the road. Almost instantly after being back in the car, my girlfriend expressed to me her discomfort with the whole situation. We spoke about his creepy comment on her tattoo and how she confirmed how uneasy it made her feel. I apologized for his behavior and we returned back to our new home. About a week later, my girlfriend and I were having a small cookout in celebration of our successful move into the new place. I had grilled up a big juicy steak for myself and a thick salmon filet for her. While fixing my plate, the meal had me reminiscing about the times I would cook out with my father and about the shared love we had for a nice juicy steak. We hadn't spoken since I had been back to retrieve my things and I decided I would try to reach out as I hadn't fully given up on my relationship with him at this point. I sent him a picture of the meal I had prepared along with a message complimenting my culinary skill. 
He responded seconds later with a quick remark about the meal, saying something along the lines of it looking tasty. The lines below that one, however, made me extremely irritated and uncomfortable. What was your friend's name again? She was really pretty. Was that your girlfriend? I rolled my eyes realizing he hadn't given my new living situation a single thought since I had been gone, but rather worried the entire week about the pretty girl who was with me. Honestly, this was exactly what I had expected, so I wasn't too surprised. My father has a history of being way too involved with my girlfriends growing up, and it always made everyone uncomfortable. I, of course, had always been oblivious as I really looked up to my dad as a teenager, but my siblings would tell me constantly that his behavior was super suspicious. He would do things like take my high school girlfriends out to dinners, just the two of them, while I would be at my part-time job. He would text them on their personal cell phones all the time and buy them jewelry. I was told later by an ex after we had broken up that they had a sexual relationship behind my back in return for the showering of gifts. Around three months went by with zero contact between my father and I when one day I finally received a long degrading text scolding me for being a horrible son. It read that I should be ashamed of the way I have neglected my father. Now I had already decided at this point that I did not wish to maintain a relationship with him any further and so I ignored his attempt to start an argument I was never going to win. Another five or six months go by with zero contact before I get the next message from him. This time telling me that it isn't his fault if I decided I didn't want anything to do with him and that I have turned my back on him, etc. The messages continued to pour in and so I finally decided I would need to respond and make it clear that I had no interest in continuing a relationship with him any further. I did not receive any more messages after the one I sent and to avoid any future attempts to contact me again, I even went as far as to block his phone number. An important detail in this story is that I keep in regular contact with my older sister to keep up to date on things back home. We talk about things like her job, the kids, my other siblings, but most importantly, my father. I like to keep tabs on him so that I can have a heads up on what he's planning to do next and react accordingly. Yeah, this is what it's like dealing with a narcissist. This sister is the only one of my siblings who even still speaks to my father, and as such, he tells her just about everything that he's up to. Now, if you're familiar with narcissists, you know this is really just him bragging to her about the shit he stays up to as he thinks it's funny. He and I used to have the same kind of relationship. One day, she began to tell me some very concerning things about the conversations she was having with our father. Shortly after my trip back to retrieve my things, he began demanding information from her about my girlfriend or, how he put it, the girl that was with him that day. He wanted my sister to give him our home address saying he needed to send some old mail. She would always tell him she didn't have that information to be able to give him. According to my sister, he would become furious with her and accuse her of lying to him. She told me the harassment and demands for my girlfriend's information became constant. He would brag constantly about finding her Facebook and ramble to her about any amount of information he could find on her. The topic of my girlfriend became all he wanted to talk about with my sister. The demands for information didn't end and every time she or I posted something new on social media, my sister would hear about it. He doesn't have his own social media accounts, but I know that he uses the accounts of other family members to snoop. 11 months later, I proposed to my girlfriend. She said yes, and we became engaged. It was a wonderful time, until I was informed by my sister that our father had been bringing us up much more often again in their conversations. He was angry because he was notified of our new engagement by a friend interrupting a date night of his. He scolded my sister for not informing him as soon as she knew of it and how he couldn't believe he had to be told by someone else. From that moment forward, the demands for information started back up. He wanted to know the address, date, and time of our wedding, and when my sister claimed she didn't know anything herself, he was furious with her. The accusations started back up, and he assured her he didn't need her help to get the information he wanted. 
Fast forward a couple months to this morning. I had taken the workday off and when I woke up around noon, I had several missed calls from my fiance and plenty of call me ASAP messages. I sat there frozen for a few minutes, staring at my phone, worrying about what it could be. I called her phone and when she answered, she told me to try my best not to get upset, but that something very unnerving had happened earlier. After a moment, I told her to go on and she proceeded to tell me she received a phone call from my father earlier that morning at her place of work. In complete shock, I sputtered out, what? What in the fuck? She told me she was sitting at her desk working as usual and when she looked down at her ringing desk phone, the caller ID read my father's name. She said it scared her to see his name on the caller ID, but acting in a panic, she picked up the phone. Hello, she answered. She described the voice on the other end as one that was very cheerful and happy, but one you could tell that they might snap and go crazy at any second if you said the wrong thing. You responded with, well, hello there, do you know who this is? She responded nervously, I think so, yeah. The voice on the other end said, I just wanted to call and congratulate you on the engagement. Now, I can't imagine what things you must have heard about me, but I wanted to say that there's two sides of every story. What questions do you have for me? My fiance was absolutely shocked by the situation she found herself in. Not really knowing what to say and fearing she may say the wrong thing, she simply told him that she didn't have any questions for him. It was obvious that he didn't expect that answer and insisted multiple times that she must want to know his version of things. She assured him that she did not and he finally told her that if she ever did want to know anything that she was always welcome to call him back and chat. As soon as the call ended, the reality of the situation began to sit in. My father would have no way of knowing where my fiancé worked or how to get in contact with her without doing some extensive creeping online. She was very shaken up and this is when she began calling and texting my phone. I apologized for what had happened and we agreed the best thing to do at that moment was to have his phone number blocked from the entire company phone line. I sat and stewed for hours debating what I should do next. He had been blocked in my cell phone for over a year and this was the first time I considered unblocking him so that I could call him up and let him have it. After speaking to some close friends about the matter, I decided it would only bring him joy as I would be feeding into his games. I called my sister to tell her what had happened as she and I talked frequently about his behavior. My sister informed me that she had spoken to my father already and knew what had happened. He called her after the situation happened and was laughing hysterically about what he had done. He was taken aback when my sister didn't support his behavior and became defensive when she said it was crazy what he had done. He began insisting that it was innocent and that he only wanted to congratulate her on the engagement. My sister told him that regardless of his intentions, she knew that I wouldn't be okay with him doing that. When she mentioned my name to him, she became really irate. He began yelling through the phone that he has every right to speak to my fiance because she's going to be his daughter-in-law and that I could get over it if I didn't like it. He went on about how he wasn't going to let me get in the way of the two of them having a relationship. He scrambled for any justification he could find, but when my sister was clearly not accepting his bullshit, he eventually gave up and stuck with his claim of innocence. Now, this is pretty much where the situation stands. I'm so thankful for all of my friends and family who have been very supportive and reassuring, but as the wedding approaches, I'm afraid he's growing more desperate by the day to make a stance. He is terrified of losing his grasp over my life and he's starting to see that he truly doesn't have his foot in the door as much as he thought he did, and I believe it scares the shit out of him. What worries me is not knowing how far he's willing to take this to make a point. Some additional background info for more context, my father has been a state trooper for many years and his time in an authoritative position has convinced him he's untouchable. A narcissist in power is truly one of the scariest and most dangerous persons you can imagine. He has a very high standing reputation in his department and before our relationship grew apart, he used to brag to me how his buddies would help him cover up anything. 
He believes the rules and laws he has sworn to enforce do not apply to himself. I'm no psychologist, but he fits every textbook definition of a sociopath and psychopath. The fact he finds amusement in the things he does to others and has to retell it to others to relive the excitement shows how dangerous his mind works. The scariest part of the entire situation is truly how helpless of a situation it is. He's an extremely high-standing member of his department and community. Growing up, there wasn't a single place we could go without someone recognizing him and stopping us to chat and have a laugh with him. Now, as an adult, there isn't a person out there that I could mention his name to, and they have nothing but amazing things to say about him and his upstanding personality. Plain and simple, nobody would believe me if I tried to bring awareness to his darker side. Not only is his community reputation impeccable, he has told me multiple times when I was younger about the bond he shares with all the other troopers he works with. Even if I could convince his leadership of his true ways, if they don't already know, it'll only harm me in the end. I won't share the stories he told me as a child about what happens to people that go after them, but it's clear that they always get their revenge. We have discussed our options and the possibility of restraining orders and such, but you all know with the way our laws work, you realistically can't do anything until something has already happened. We're going to have a security system installed at our home so we can keep an eye on the place while we're away. Other than that, we're really just waiting for whatever is next to come. Dad, I really hope we never meet again. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Submit your own experience to the show in writing or through the hotline all at disturbedpodcast.com. Disturbed is produced by yours truly, funded through advertising and your support. And if you like what we do and want to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed, featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more, or subscribe directly in Apple Podcasts. And let's shout out our newest supporters. Chad Driggers, Marco Andrade, Kenan Fleischer, Tierra Kincannon, Katie Stewinter, and Rose Salinas. They all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too. Patreon.com slash Disturbed Podcast. Music by Carl Casey at Whitebat Audio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.